What is the Therapeutics Products Bill? And why should alarm bells be ringing? What's it all about? I've heard, I've heard of this bill. I haven't paid too much attention, though I know this could be a world of hurt, potentially, for manufacturers, sellers, marketers, and consumers of therapeutic products. What's it all about? Should we be concerned? And should we be screaming our concern from the rooftops? or the pharmacy tops. To find out, I'm joined by Mark Webster of Staywell Pharmacy, Christchurch-based. He's been talking about this for some time. He's got his head right around it. And hopefully by the end of our chat, we'll have our arms around this. Have you heard of the Therapeutic Products Bill? It's uh, progressing through Parliament at the moment, just gone through the select committee stage. Now, according to the Therapeutic Products Bill parliamentary webpage, this bill is intended to replace the Medicines Act 81 and the Dietary Supplements Regulations 85 to provide for the comprehensive risk proportionate regulation of therapeutic products such as medicines, medical devices, natural health products and active pharmaceutical ingredients. Now, to find out a bit more about this, I'm joined by Mark Webster from Staywell Pharmacy in Christchurch. He's been commenting, there's been a few interviews around with Mark commenting on the Therapeutics Products Bill, and he joins us on Reality Check Radio. And Mark, it's uh, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Okay, so I, 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 in, the, in the intro there said you, you might have heard of the of this bill i've kind of heard it kicking around but really haven't paid too much attention because it, it, it sounded like something that okay you know it's medical stuff and blah 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 but considering what we've been through and um and, and everything that goes with that um and seeing an interview with you recently my you know the, the radar screen started to, to activate let me put it that way First question, why do you think that, and talking to a few people, I realized that they were the same. They might have heard of this thing, but they didn't know anything about it. Why do you think it's been kind of under the radar? Uh, look, that's a great question. And we, we could postulate about uh, perhaps nefarious reasons for it, but uh, perhaps it's because, uh, you know, we've got an election coming up and they want to get this stuff done. But the, I think the main reason we ha most of us haven't heard about it is they released it around Christmas time. And then, of course, uh, they had consultation until February. There must have been some pushback uh, because most people were on holiday and hadn't really heard, of, heard much. So they then pushed it through just a few more weeks into March. But most of us have been away. Most of us have been resting. Most of us have not been bothering to watch what the government's doing. And in fact, of course, Parliament uh, has a break as well. So we need to be uh, mindful that this, this proposed legislation has been released at an inopportune time and whether or not that was deliberate, you know, is, is something I don't want to postulate on, but it certainly made it very difficult for those who need to know to find out more. We could say, though, that this potentially affects many people, normal people, not in the medical field who have benefited from, you know, therapeutics and some are on the list that uh, they're looking at. That makes it our business. And we need to ask, don't we then, without sort of drilling too deep on this, um, why is it not front and center? This is a, important stuff. It's people's health. 
and to squirrel it away in, in the kind of way you were describing does raise questions. Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. This, this affects uh, present and future New Zealanders, and it, it actually um, undermines and minimalizes the therapeutic effect and benefits that these kinds of therapies provide. There's been no consideration to consulting those who are the experts in these fields. And it seeks also uh, with this legislation to push it onto primary health providers, primarily doctors. Now, I have many good medical practitioners who are, who are personal colleagues of mine, uh, who I highly respect. But by their own admission, they would say that, look, that kind of stuff's not really their bag. Um, they got a few hours of, of nutrition training at, at medical school. And when I say a few, you know, wasn't many. Um, mm. Plus, that's not been their focus. But this legislation is going to seek to remove it from all of the uh, individuals that have been trained in these areas, push it onto primary care. And these poor medical uh, practitioners are already overwhelmed with what's going on. We've got lack of human resources. They're, they're overworked with all the admin they've got to go and they have to do. And now they're going to be asked to do this stuff and they don't even have any real expertise. It, that's, that's something that isn't described or considered in this legislation. That actually doesn't make sense. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Which is so, why I'm jumping up and down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why, why do something that doesn't make sense mm. um, in such a serious sphere? Mm. And also, of course, uh, medical people will be familiar with the word triage. So that is obviously, you know, when you go to uh, a hospital, for instance, and they decide how serious you are, they put you in a particular frame and say, right, we'll see the urgent people first and less urgent and so on. Well, triage actually starts in the community. Triage is being able to actually treat yourself at home, minimalize your need to um, access primary care and try and help yourself. And in addition to that, this is this has been done for centuries. Grandma used to used to use, you know, grandma's remedies. And sure, some of them weren't particularly efficacious, but they certainly didn't do any harm either. And meanwhile, you've got the ability to make it a real difference for a lot of people. And you've got experts available these days that grandma didn't have access to. And this bill seeks to exclude those people completely. I want to go through the details of what it means with you um, in just a moment. But another sort of big picture question is that are we seeing an arm wrestle here between one kind of concept of, of medicine and another and the government um, officials, whoever they are, have decided now which side they're on? Well, this has been a tension for, for a long time. Um, I believe some of this legislation even goes back to the 80s and 90s. Uh, also, of course, we need to realize that many of these therapies are not patentable and therefore there's not a lot of real money in it. Now, if you can increase your market share by kicking out the, 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 the little guys, then the big guys are going to benefit from that. So uh, there's, there's also, you know, th these things are available in your own garden or at, at your grocer. And so it's outside government control. So all of a sudden we've now got legislation where the, doctor, the government says, hey, we wanna actually control everything you get to apply to your skin, put in your mouth and put up your bottom. 
Um, back in 2021, the FDA rebranded hundreds of natural foods, herbs, oils, spices, etc. There's a huge long list. I've looked at them. Most of the words I don't understand. But um, there's talk of a further 68 uh, being rebranded is the is the um, term used. And they include things like aloe vera, alfalfa, um, cedarwood oil, ginger root, <laughs> peppermint oil, zinc. We've heard about zinc and its properties uh, quite a bit in the last uh, short time. Again, uh, as I mentioned before, these are everyday things. So with that in mind, and, and it seems to be happening here now, and I, and I take it some of those um, products or, or natural substances I just mentioned are included here. So break it down now. Um, I think I heard you say in, a, in an interview I watched recently that there were some good points to this. So it's not all bad. Uh, things that needed to be tightened up um, are being tightened up and you're okay with that. So I don't know where you want to start. Start with the bad things, the good things or, or whatever and work through kind of what it all means, if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. I mean... <laughs> Golly, we could talk about this for hours because there are so many uh, complex details in there, but uh, we need to be thinking about, um, you know, co concentrating on the core pieces. So obviously as a pharmacist, I have uh, concerns about the aspects that are being discussed in this legislation about pharmacy. But for the most part, what I can see is that it ne that needs to be tidied up. So in terms of pharmacy control and pharmacy ownership and the way that a pharmacy is run, uh, that needs to be uh, re-clarified. We've got, you know, newcomers on the block that have changed the shape of pharmacy out there. And whilst on the one hand, you know, they suggest that discounters are a good thing for the public, I would suggest uh, that really at the end of the day, we're eventually going to find that that gets diluted and diluted and eventually there's no service or expertise and it's just going to be the bottom of the barrel. So that needs to be tidied up. We've, we've got some legislation around medicines, and I think medicines, so these are registered pharmaceutical items, uh, and they already clarify about your four different types of medicines. That's a good thing. And th there's other bits and pieces, but what they're then thrown in is a whole lot of other stuff. And that's what I have the, the greatest concern. And it's very much like perhaps you, you're doing a, a wash of white shirts and and sheets and you stick in a couple of red jumpers hmm. and what happens is that the the wash comes out pink and that wasn't your intention and in fact that might be where we're at if we go back to i mean i don't even know who created this legislation um and it's morphed we also don't have a concise list we've basically got a piece of legislation that's got a skeleton and we don't know which bits are going to be covered in flesh and which bits are going to have the right kind of kind of um, circulation and it, so we really don't know uh, how this is going to work out so where the TGA in Australia and the FDA in America have got these lists we did have a list produced a, a few years ago but we, there's no indication that that's the list that they're going to use then then also as you point out we've got you know the likes of aloe vera and these other bits and pieces um, those products are available in your own garden but one of the pieces of confusion that many people have had is they think, right, well, that means I'm not going to be able to have aloe vera in my garden. Well, no, not necessarily. The, the main thing appears to be, unless, of course, they decide that it's a banned substance, and that's a whole nother uh, can of worms. But if, if, you've got a, if you've got a natural product, and let's take cinnamon, for instance, 
and you want cinnamon in your coffee because you like the taste of cinnamon, that's no problem. But if you claim that cinnamon is helping with blood sugar, that therefore is a therapeutic claim. Now that product, if you want to put that on the box or you want to be a natural health provider who says, look, if you want to nudge your diabetes in the right way, put some cinnamon in your coffee or on your cereal or what have you. Um, well, suddenly that's a therapeutic claim that's going to be affected by the legislation. And it may be that unless you've got proven regulatory authorization, you can't make those claims. And then we then we walk straight into the enforcement and the penalties. I don't know if you've seen those at all, Paul. No, I haven't. <clears throat> um, before you talk about them, um, the, the, the bar is being set very high, right? And that's to exclude a lot of people. Like you talk about, you know, the cinnamon example. Um, and it may well be that it, it's very beneficial, but you can't say it. And you can only say it if you reach a certain threshold of what? Qualification or, or credibility. I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, to, to use the bar analogy, actually, we've got two poles in the ground and we don't have a bar. We don't know how high or low that bar is being set because we don't have any frames of reference. Um, right. What's, what's going to happen is they say, look, we want you to prove the two poles in the ground and we'll set the bar where we want. We'll also use somebody that knows nothing about the game and he'll <laughs> come out and put the bar on and he may decide to change the bar at any point. He might decide that the bar's now got a dip in it or it's got kinks or he's going to make it out of a, a different material um so that it, it fractures just by looking at it or the whole thing falls over with a, a slightest gust of wind are they trying to what well, well, okay you talk about the washing analogy um and un, well the unintended consequences is really what you mean um could this have the effect of squeezing a lot of people out of what in the sector what they're doing at the moment i mean literally Absolutely. squeezing them out Absolutely. I mean, I've got a master's in integrative medicine, and I've also got a, a fellowship in functional nutritional medicine. I've been doing this area of, of care over and above the pharmaceutical care that I provide as a community pharmacist for over 30 years. And I'm not going to be able to run my clinic in the way that I have been if this legislation goes ahead, according to how it's written currently. We've got experts, we've, we've got you know, naturopaths and herbalists and other healthcare providers who are affiliated with professional bodies and have their own regulation of sorts within those bodies, you've got to come up to a certain standard. Uh, and sure, we've got the quacks. We've got those out there that, you know, they feel that the the, the spirits have told them that they, they have this power and that, you know, and th that's that's something that also needs to be considered. But that, that's fringe, though, isn't it? I mean, well, it is. It is. And in fact, you know, what I've maintained is that if the government want to try and make an impact, quote unquote, for the safety of the public and for our own good, then really it's more about educating the public on how do you check out this health provider? Now, of course, we've in the last few years, especially that's that's come to the fore. And we, you know, we're getting a lot of members of the public now who uh, want to make a change in their in their health, the direction of their health. They've got concerns over their practitioner because the practitioner is overworked or they, they can't get in to see their doctor for two or three weeks. So now they're, they're needing help from, from other areas. And uh, what, what we're making here is we're, we're excluding those who are the experts. Uh, and, when, and then we're pushing it on to those that 
really have no expertise. So we've it. I don't know if that's an intended or unintended. I, I think the value of these qualified experts is being grossly undersold and pretty much ignored. Well, it's common. What you're talking about is, is everyday common sense. And you, <laughs> you would hope that um, people in power um, in these positions <laughs> doing this have some sort of common sense. Even I could tell you that if you want to hear, hear it from someone. So I, I don't get that. I, I think you alluded to, to um, the regime of what enforcement mm. um, and I kind of picked up that, that it might be kind of brutal. <laughs> it, 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 the penalties that they mention, and it can be, you know, and again, they don't give any sort of um, uh, list of, of where they'll go, but they talk about, you know, fines of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and up to a five-year jail time, or or you can pay up to a million dollars. And I've, I just consider that with other crimes out there, and I just think, goodness me, uh, what else would I need to do to get five years in prison or be fined a million dollars? Now You could hurt someone very badly and not well, get that. Yeah. So um, the, the, the penalties that they are insinuating in this legislation, and it's there in black and white, um, but there's no there's no sort of uh, schedule on what's going on. They also mentioned that you know supposedly government departments and multinationals and what have you they're also going to be uh, controlled and regulated by this legislation. But unfortunately, so is the local you know Maori Rongoa practitioner. So is the is grandma who, you know, gives you some spinach and tells you that it's got iron and that's good for your anemia. Um, we, we've got all sorts, it's a, it's a very big brush. And what, the, what they sought to do uh, is massive overkill. The Maori dimension is interesting because, um, you know, there, there's a lot of Maori spiritualism um, promoted. You know, I mean, I was on an Air New Zealand flight and the waka is flying. There's no aerodynamic surfaces on that waka. I get it. It's kind of mythological, et cetera. But this could uh, cause um, pushback in that community because, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know too much about it, but there seems to be, you know, um, respect for that historic knowledge and, mm. and, and, and that continues. It's going to be interesting to see what a government will do or, or the establishment will do with that. Any thoughts? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, in the last oh, 50 years as, as, a, as a growing thing, and of course it's really come to the fore now where uh, pretty much everything in health, you'll find that there is a English and a Maori term to something. Uh, of course, the own Ministry of Health now has its has its own Maori branding. Um, so th this has all been growing. But what we find is that uh, this, is, this is central to, to uh, Maori culture. And uh, the present government and also, of course, the, the other parties that are vying for the, the, the seat in the election are all promoting their sensitivity to uh, Maoridom. And, and fair enough. But uh, my, my suggestion is if we've got, uh, you know, if we're going to consider Rongoa Maori and all of its potency and, and 
uh, efficacy and history and spiritual and cultural importance, well, then we actually also shouldn't be looking at that in isolation. We should be looking at traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, all of these other arts that have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And if we're just going to exclude Rongo Maori because of, um, you know, for political t- reasons, yeah, then then that's a nonsense. Um, and what needs to happen is that all of the legislation in this bill that is affecting the natural health industry should be removed and dealt with quite separately. Um, and and that's that's vital. So uh, whilst I, I encourage uh, my Maori brothers and sisters to be fighting the good fight with regards to Rongo Maori, we actually need to be working together on this, not not dividing each other and not not looking at that as a separate issue, but as a, a very important part of the complex equation. Because that sets up, doesn't it, for, again, division. Uh, I don't want to get stuck on this, but just a, a, another um, thought here. That is, if you if you deny it, you're disrespecting a culture nakedly, disrespecting it. But if you give it exclusivity, then you're pissing everyone else off. So, um, damned if you do and damned if you don't. Landmines that you can tread on everywhere here. So, um, what are your thoughts on where the public is at? Are you confident that? Well, maybe you're not, that there's enough knowledge of this now and realization, and this is what we're trying to do here, actually, um, of, of what's the freight train that's coming down the track with the, the light on and the horn on, uh, what it means. Do you, can, do you think people are activated or can be activated in time? And you mentioned the other political parties. It's an election year. Um, are they singing from the same song sheet or is there um, some diversity in views use that word, uh, amongst them. Do you see any hope there? Well, with regard to your last question, I haven't seen or heard anything. That's not to say that perhaps there are individuals that have personal feelings on that, Um, but they do appear to be singing from the same song sheet. And of course, if we look back historically where this kind of legislation has had an attempt at trying to uh, come into effect, either party has been involved. Um, And we're we're finding that... um, you know, I think I think if we're um, depending on the other crowd, whichever crowd that is, um, to make a difference here, I think we're going to be sadly disappointed. With regards to the public's um, uh, awareness of what's going on, I you know, if you use the freight train analogy, the freight train's been cruising along on padded lines with with its <laughs> bell muffled and its light turned off. Um, you know, this was released at an inopportune time for the public very opportune if you want to get this legislation pushed through. I'd probably say that most people don't have a bloody clue. And in fact, when I brought that to the attention of some in the field, I was at a Sunday market a couple of weeks ago and spoke to the woman there who had all the Rawleys products. Now, Rawleys have been around for many years. I remember the Rawleys band. Yeah, well, they're still around. And she just had no interest at all. Um, she said, oh, these are Australian products. I said, that's not that's not going to make a shred of difference on this legislation. Oh, well, you know, she she had no concept. Now, I'm not slagging Rawleys. I'm just simply saying that even people in the know or who should be in the know haven't got a bloody clue. And most of us um, 
are waking up far too late in the game. What needs to happen really is that we need to be organizing some massive public consultation on all areas of natural health. We've got um, uh, not just the, the practitioners, but but at far reaching members of the public, because this is this is this is a paramount um, blunderbuss bill that's going to blow out at all sorts of areas that we never considered. Have you seen any investigative journalism focusing on this? No. And in fact, I even approached, you know, I, I sent messages on Twitter to uh, Sean Plunkett on the platform. Nothing. Um, I've, you know, I've had a number of my colleagues who are in the manufacturing industry and they also have been begging for the media to pick this up. There's just not been anything. It's one of the reasons why I, I made a video with um, with William and then that's that's got been uh, put. But we, we did that a little bit late. It was in the last sort of 12 hours, 24 hours of the of the game. Um, but what was very interesting is that they went and put it also on an, on another platform, one of the ones that some might call a conspiracy theorist platform, and um, 16,000 views in three and a half hours. So there's, there's clearly interest. Yeah. Well, and then that raises another question. Um, food and health and well-being. I'm starting to not like that word, by the way, because I hear it too much and and sometimes it doesn't seem to apply to actual well-being but that is very popular content in the mainstream media you'll see endless stuff about diets and restaurant reviews and uh, and you know miracle cures and you know, cancer breakthroughs all those sorts of things so um we know there's a market for it but crickets nothing mm. on this i've done a search around in preparation for speaking to you okay it wasn't a huge deep dive but i really couldn't find anything that could tell me with any clarity beyond maybe a, a very light headline um, of of what's going on here in our country and now we've seen a pattern of media i think they call it memory holding they just don't look at it so it it, it kind of doesn't exist and no one remembers it because there's nothing to remember in the first place it seems to be a pattern. Why Why do you think then, you must have a view on this because I'm really curious, I've got my thoughts, but why do you think they would ignore probably one of the biggest health stories, well, of the year, certainly, mm -hmm. but, but you know, in our time because of the, of the downstream effects of it and ignoring the millennia of history and just disregarding it in that arm wrestle that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, what's up there, do you think? What are your thoughts on that? My, I always go back to follow the money. And, uh, you know, you talked about food and restaurant reviews and wellness and what have you. Um, you know, I, I have views on wellness because what, what is wellness? If you've got diabetes, but your blood glucose is well controlled, are you well? Or because you've got diabetes, are you chronically sick? Um, are, are you, I'd say chronically sick. Well, you might, but actually uh, somebody who's controlled their diabetes is, is the doctor might say, well, you're well, and we'll just maintain you on the drugs. Because that it you're takes on. a, a, a um, pausing of symptoms box. Mm, mm. So, so you, you've got um, a, a real problem um, thinking about how you can manage this properly. Yeah, um, I, I saw a video yesterday by Dr. John Campbell. Many people know who he is. He's a star now, and he's kind of undergone a, a metamorphosis over time. But um, he was uh, talking about uh, a study um, on vitamin D, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems it makes a huge impact on dementia, dementia prevention. Yeah. Mm, 40%. 
Okay. Well, that's huge, right? That's mm. ma- I mean, if you had that as a breakthrough drug, you, you'd, you'd be done for life. You, you oh. know, go buy a Bahama, an island in the Bahamas, <laughs> you're off. So that is incredibly significant. Um, and it's so simple. And it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're talking about? There's no yeah. money to be made. And it's available without having to involve a prescription and all the big drug companies, you know, they, they can't do their thing. I mean, you can look over time that there have been uh, drugs that have been produced that mimic the natural efficacy of things. For instance, statins. So there's a natural product called red yeast rice. Right. And red yeast rice is a statin. Uh, now, of course, there, if you're on a statin out there, please don't go and stop that and start red yeast rice. Uh, because also there are uh, issues around red yeast rice that need to be managed. Um, and even the uh, the reason that people are on statins, you know, the, the amount of evidence for uh, giving someone a statin to control their cholesterol to reduce the primary chance of them getting a cardiovascular event. So everything's ticking along, you're fine, but your cholesterol's a bit high. We'll put you on a statin to prevent... Uh, you having a heart attack or stroke, the information on that is not really very great. Now, if you've if you've had a heart attack or stroke uh, or other cardiovascular event, you've got stents, you actually do have to be on a statin because the pleiotrophic effects, the anti-inflammatory effects of the statins are well known and proven. Right. So follow the money mm. and, and we get back to this bill then. And also, uh, you know, a question for you is, because you've got to explain why the politicians and bureaucrats are so solid in what they're doing, right? And, and, uh, and you know, the timing of this, um, you know, crimped people's ability to, to take it in and do anything about it was around the holiday time, I think you mentioned. Um, it, it seems that, uh, that there's this push towards an absolute belief in what people call science, but it, it you know, it ignores the scientific process in many cases. And, and it, it's becoming a bit like a religion in a way that if you tag it with science, follow the science, even if that doesn't actually apply, if you, you sort of look at it, then it, then it must be better than anything else. Do you think that that would explain that there's, some, there's a, a kind of a belief in a particular system that's driving you know, this hardball push, because I, I always like to look for explanations. Why do people do things? You know, um, uh, you know, what is in their thinking? And especially when it sort of um, it crosses over common sense and sort of reasonable boundaries. And you say, follow the money. And I, and I get that. But there's a zeal about it, a, a sort of like a like a ruthlessness or, or, or um, a, you know, you see that in the penalties. You talk talk about. I mean, they're completely inappropriate. Let, mm. Let's face it, relative to anything else. So, is the are these people sort of in a religious sort of mode or, or something like that? Have you got any thoughts on that? Look, science is a continuum. Science is a conversation. Science should have multiple viewpoints and sides. Science should be argued vigorously, publicly, wherever possible. You know, I, I always go back to, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Semmelweis. Now, he stuck his head up above, above the parapets and said that doctors should be using lime to disinfect their hands before they go and, um, you know, deliver babies and, and do other bits and pieces. And he, 
he was thrown out of uh, out of uh, his college and and ridiculed. Uh, we've we've got the the doctor who who talked about vitamin C with the limes and reducing scurvy, you know, and and again they were ridiculed. We, we've got other brave scientists out there that that made statements. Even you know we go back to food. Louise Light, if, if your listeners want to look her up, Louise L U I S E light she was asked she was an american dietetic scientist she was asked to replace the four squares model that's where you get your three square meals a day from the protein fat carbohydrate and dairy yes even dairy had its own square back then Mm -hmm. um with a new model she came up with a food pyramid and the grains were three to five servings of grains at the top of the pyramid but when that gone through the food regulatory bodies and was published in the early 80s that was nine to eleven servings of grains no longer at the top of discretion pyramid but now foundational at the bottom of the pyramid and Louise spent the rest of her life till she passed away in 2010 saying that there's no evidence for this model and if it's followed you will see exacerbations in many of the health conditions and what have we got we've got a sick society and then we've got the food industry talking about you know full of healthy grains and you know you've got this breakfast cereal and these breads with grains and grains we've got vegetable oils which aren't vegetable oils they're grain oils and these are all pro-inflammatory my partner bought some of her favorite butter the other day she's now found that it's mixed with canola oil even though it says mm. butter on the label. So why are we worrying about aloe vera and lavender and cinnamon? We should be looking at the food additives and all the crap that has been put in our foods since the Vietnam War, because the Vietnam War, all the all the stuff that they were producing after that, they thought, well, what the hell do we do? If we've got millions of tons of the stuff. I know, we'll put it in the agricultural industry, and then it'll all get grandfathered through because when the EPA was started in the early 70s, they made the decision that if you're already using it in the marketplace, it's obviously considered safe, and we won't actually look into it until you can prove it's dangerous. Wow. So really, the message there is, is never take anything on face value, right? You, you uh, and, and then when you tell people you, you're going to do your own research, they kind of look at you strangely. But what, I mean, people could come and talk to someone like you, but what hope does the average person have um, of, of being more proactive and engaged in their own health faced with all that? Yeah, Paul, that's a, jeepers, that's a great question, isn't it? I, I think the first thing is to keep your eyes and ears open. I think the second thing is to realize that nothing, nothing is true forever. And also that if you find somebody who shouts you down for an alternate point of view, then you need to stay away from them. Um, science, as I said, is a, is a continuum. And, you know, I, I teach, I teach in high schools, I go to final year high school students, and they have to compare and contrast Western scientific medicine with complementary alternative medicine. And we discuss what, what is, you know, alternative, what's complementary, what's Western, and how, if it's Western, does that mean it's not Eastern? And therefore, are we are we being a bit exclusive there, a bit arrogant? Um, and what, what we find at the end of that conversation is it's all just medicine. We also need to be aware that, uh, and we've, gosh, we've seen this in the last two or three years, that uh, experts are being silenced. They're being silenced not only on the social platforms, but also they're being silenced by our government. And this legislation is just going the next level up. Uh, you mentioned John Campbell before. I mean, he he's had to change. He was very, very pro the, the government narrative at the beginning. And then as he started to look at the data, he's like, oh, hang on a minute. This doesn't add up. And then, of course, as he started signaling that, 
he got warned by YouTube. He'd been he'd been doing YouTube videos since the 90s. Mm. He got warned he was just going to be kicked off. So now, of course, he says, I'm just going to show you something that's already in the public eye. I can't comment on it because, you know, well, I, I, I'm not allowed. <laughs> exactly. Or, or I don't remember. Which yeah. I need to very, you know, and so we've actually had to manage it. I've had to manage it as a pharmacist. You know, I've got to be very, very careful about what I what I do. And yet, honestly, science needs to be um, stand up and recognize that science is not this fragile vase that you're going to smash and then try and glue back together with government rhetoric. Science should be vigorously debated at all levels. So the best thing I can suggest the public do is engage, engage with everybody. Now, okay, some people are going to find that very, very confusing because it's overwhelming and you don't know who quite to listen to. Um, but again, as I say, if you've got somebody who won't even listen to what you've got to say and shouts you down, walk away. Uh, deal with those people that want, uh, you know, an open conversation. It's the same with politics. It's the same with religion. It should be the same with science. We need to have active, robust conversations and also recognize that just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean that I can't talk to you anymore and you know I actually will thank someone who comes to me with an alternate point of view and I'm quite happy to have a conversation but I don't want them getting all hit up about it and at the end of that I hope we've both learned something from that exercise that's what we need to do yeah um just to just about to wrap up but you're right and you know I've seen eminent scientists um, discussing, you know, science, just like you were talking about it there. And by far, <clears throat> excuse me, by far, most of them are saying, if I have an idea, the first thing I want you to do is shoot it down. <laughs> exactly. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the game, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, but then be prepared for me to then push back against your rhetoric again. Of course. Because you're, you're looking for holes in my argument. I'm looking for holes in yours. But at the end of the day, when we finish the conversation, we should have actually found benefit in that, even if it's just appreciating the other person's point of view. But what we've got these days is a narrative that is one sided. And anybody who seeks to stick their head up above the parapet is just looking for an absolute onslaught of public desecration. And if officialdom's doing that, we've, we've got a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it, it flows down to the public. Hmm. Okay, so the first reading of the bill was on um, the 14th of the 12th, so um, December last year. It's in select committee stage now, second reading coming up. Then it goes to the committee of the, the whole house, third reading, and then royal assent. <laughs> so that's the process, um, and we're, we're at the select committee stage now. Um, do you think there's hope for, for well, turning it around or... or uh, rejigging or, or, or addressing concerns? Do you think well, there is? There's always hope. And this process is supposed to be robust enough to make sure that that hope is there. Uh, whether, you know, whether members of the select committee choose to ignore or um, pay attention to the feedback. And of course, we've got the oral submissions too that are coming up. And I hope many of the individuals who are providing oral submissions uh, are happy to go and, and speak concisely about that. Um, but we've also seen, you know, despite massive amounts of public pushback uh, and, you know, you, you, Three Waters is a good one, of course, uh, where many of the public said we don't want it or we're looking at fluoridation and chlorination and many of the public have said we don't want it. It's been done anyway. And so um, 
I would say that really I wouldn't wait for the process to go. I would be, there's a reason I've, I've, I've done the video. It's a reason I've come to talk to you today. It's a reason why every member that comes into my pharmacy, I say now, are you aware of this? You need to know about this because if there's enough public outcry, we don't need to wait for the select committee. We can apply pressure to all of our government officials and civil officials and doctors and naturopaths and herbalists and industries, the metagenics um, who gave support in principle to this bill. We need to actually go back to those individuals and those corporations say, hey, uh, no, this this isn't going to fly. This needs to be removed if and it needs a far more robust conversation and consultation rather than the lip service we've received. You check your brake lines in the morning, Mark. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, just quickly, uh, Dr. Aisha Verrill, the health minister, is in charge of this bill. She, um, I think, is a um, you know classic medical doctor. Um, what side do you think she'd be on philosophically on this? I haven't spoken to her uh, and I haven't had a robust conversation with her or seen any of the feedback. I think that's a great question. I think that's one that we should ask her. Yeah, well, maybe we'll try. We'll give it a go. Hey, it's been really um, great chatting to you on Reality Check Radio. It's really the stuff we want to talk about. So thank you for coming on, Mark Webster. And uh, let's see what happens. And hopefully, you know, um, uh, a few people uh, listening to this or, or many who didn't know so much about it are more informed now. Hmm. Great stuff. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, listeners. Go out there and...